Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 18th, and trending this hour, the Guinness Book of World Records. They have officially declared Monday as the worst day of the week. And I will debate that later. Also trending this hour, Joyce Sims. She's an R&B singer. She has passed away at the age of 63. And still trending, A Christmas Story Christmas, the latest sequel to the beloved 1983 film set in Hammond, Indiana, has a sequel. It's coming out on HBO Max on November 17th. And yeah, Peter Billingsley is reprising his role as Ralph and also Ian Petrella will be Randy. And yeah, Zach Ward, the original Scott Farkas, will be taking part. What, a, what about that kid that ended up becoming a porn star that got his tongue stuck to the, the pole? That's Randy, the no, little brother. No, 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 no. This was the other kid. Scott. Sc- what, what it wasn't was? Scott. It was the, the other buddy. He was also in The Toy with Richard Pryor and yes, Jackie Gleason. Right. He was that kid. The kid who is a very famous scene where he gets mm-hmm. his tongue stuck to the pole oh, in yeah, the yeah, class. Yeah. He went on to become... Um, an adult was in brown a, hair was in a, yep. was in adult films and uh his life got totally derailed and he, he won't be in the Scott remake. Schwartz is Scott his real Schwartz, name yes yes <laughs> he's not coming back you can watch that on HBO Max on November 17th it's seven minutes after 11 is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC Hammer still joining us in the studio so we we're going to talk about this in the last segment but we just didn't have enough time we needed more time so over the weekend Sunday was the Senate debate for Indiana and you had Todd Young James Sinney and Tom McDermott, and you have an idea. So watching that debate, now again, this is a statewide race. Yes. Rob, you know this. It's not cheap to run a statewide race. Right. A lot of money is spent. Even if you're a libertarian, where your funds are somewhat limited, you still have to have some money to put forth. Yeah. You would think that a little bit of money would be spent on coaching these zeros up yes. to do a debate. Yes. Because when I watched that Senate debate on Sunday night, again, we joked about this. I felt sorry for Dr. Laura Wilson, yes. the moderator. She was, great on, she was great on your show yesterday, by the way. You guys had her on. She was great. I felt like she was Alex Trebek doing the Celebrity Jeopardy <laughs> sketch on Saturday Night Live. Like, we were five minutes away from McDermott ringing in and just going, moo. <laughs> <laughs> And and so isn't it interesting that you had three guys who were all equally awful and they were all equally awful for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So Young is like the the little toy you get for Christmas that you have to wind Wind up up every time. You had uh, McDermott, who's a total lunatic. And then you had Siniak, who may or may not have peed his pants while he was at the podium. (laughs) Right. Like all the money you're going to spend on flyers and traveling, the one place where more people will see you than anything else – are these debates. Yes. Right? Statewide television. Free. Totally free. You don't have to pay a dime for it. You would think some sort of consultant would come in and tell Todd Young, okay, you can't sound like the recording at the airport. Please hold on to the handrails. Please do not run in the hallway. Please talk about inflation. Like, that is Todd Young. Right. And then you had the libertarian guy, Cineac, bless his heart, sounded like Chris Farley trying to interview Paul McCartney. You, you remember, you remember when, when you signed off on, on the CHIPS Act? <laughs> you remember? Like, that was that. And, and he's the one, I think, that's the most frustrating because it's like, okay, Our show has done a phenomenal job of painting out what a zero Todd Young is. And you had so many people that had never seen you before. They may have heard you on this show, but had never seen you before. And you had an opportunity to win all those votes. And, and, you know, I don't want to think he didn't prepare, but it's like, dude, 
you even messed up your opening statement. Okay, let me point something out. And you have mentioned this before. Hammer hosts a TV show twice twice a week and every week, right? Yes. Right. And Rob filled in one time when, your, when your co-host yeah. was gone. Yeah. And you said at the beginning of the show, you're a little nervous. You're like, the light comes on the camera. And it's by the end of the show, when you're finally getting into your rhythm, you're like, okay, there's the camera. This is what's going on. And if you had done that on a weekly basis, like Hammer does, you would be markedly improved. Yeah, yeah, it's but, just not the every but, now and then when you show up. Casey, he didn't do bad the whole time he was there going... Like, there's a difference between, hey, I, I, it took me a while to figure out where the cameras were versus I couldn't complete sentences. Right. You knew what you wanted to talk about. You knew how to respond. Sometimes the technical things can be a little tricky when you're doing our and, show. And, and in a debate, there is no technical thing. Like, you look at one camera, right? There's not a guy pointing to you going, look at this. Everybody looks at the same or your opponent. So, yes, that might take a while to figure out, but that's why when you prepare, mm -hmm. and I know that the Democrats did this because I know the guy who played Todd Young in the preparation, you stand and, and prepare exactly how they they you're going to stand and, and be at the actual debate itself. Well, listen, I don't know who played Todd Young in their debate, and I don't know who played McDermott in these other debates, but if you really want to do this right, hire Rob and I. Yes. We <laughs> will come by and we will tell you how these things are going to play out, how they're going to look. We will create such a chaotic environment. There's nothing that that debate will bring you that we haven't brought to you before. You you would be you had perfected being distracted and still delivering your message. And we kind of bring heat for a living, yes. right? We will fight you on everything. That will be our job in debate preparation. If you want to tell me the sky is blue, I will make an ass of myself and yell <laughs> and scream that it's orange just to see how you respond isn't it too that people are looking for something genuine and real and these politicians now again cineacs i've seen some people actually say this might have worked in his favor they're like well he's kind of the underdog now it's like the little kid brother or whatever <sighs> but I, I, the most people know but there were some people <laughs> yeah, out there that way but like mcdermott and todd young Everything is so scripted, and they're looking for something real. Just be because yourself. Are they too practiced? Have they gone to debate class? Well, they, if they did, they failed it, because that's not what people yes. sound like. That's not what people talk right. like. Like, when you're coming up in the radio ranks, like, everybody, when you're 16, 17 years old, you have to feel like you sound like Jerry Baker <laughs> all the time. Well, guess what? That's really not how people talk. Only Jerry Baker has that awesome voice. You have to be conversational. You have to be relatable. And none of those three up there came off like that. You have to look like you know what you're mm -hmm. talking about, mm -hmm. but you're also confident in what you're talking about. And, and the, look, the libertarians are at such a disadvantage. Now, I will remove Jeff Moore from this equation because he was the one guy who was phenomenal and this didn't apply to him. But even with Donald Rainwater, and we love Rainwater, the guy looked like he was going to have an aneurysm in the middle of the debate. Like He looked like right. a tomato. It's like, you got to calm down, man. He looked like that scene in Wayne's World where Wayne walks off the show <laughs> and it leaves just Garth there to host it by himself and they zoom in on him. I mean, having a good time <laughs> that's bless his heart that's what he was but see rob this is where you and i could yeah. come in if you spend just a week or two with the hammer and kendall boot camp yeah. here we will get you ready to debate you'll look like a man of the people you'll know how to handle chaos there's nothing that the moderator or the other candidates can't bring up that we haven't brought up something more ridiculous to the table and i love money so much i would even help todd young
Well, don't you think, though, that Todd Young kind of settled some of the craziness down just a bit? I felt like that he was making a concerted effort to do that because you had Tom McDermott, who was all passion and fire, and he was up there flamethrowing, and he was attacking Todd Young, and Todd just seemed to take a beat and bring it all back down, be a little serious, and thought out with his answers. When you're the quote-unquote favorites, you know, you don't want to be too over the top, but it's okay to fight back a little bit. Like, this is the Trump factor. This is why Donald Trump resonated with so many people. He fought back. Yep. Because for so long, the Republican Party, the MO was they're just a bunch of wimps, and whenever the heat gets hot, they're going to fold. They're going to collapse. Yep. They take all the crap, and they don't fight back. Donald Trump, who, let's be honest, isn't even a real Republican, was a counterpuncher. He fought back, and that resonated with so many people. See, think if you're Todd Young, and McDermott had hit him with Duke of Spendingburg, he could have looked at him and said, well, I'd rather be the Duke of Spendingburg than the Duke of Abortionburg. Right. Oh. Boom. Right. Okay. And these are the things that the Hammer and Kendall debate preparation team can bring you for a very reasonable fee. All right. We'll have work you, with Democrats s- and libertarians. Fees? fees? We're not doing this for free. As a Joe Dirt once said, it ain't UNICEF. So, if you really want to improve your debate skills, let Rob and I come in. We will grill you. We will make your life a living hell. But it's like the New England Patriots practices. Remember when they had Brady oh, and yeah. Gronk? Belichick would practice them outside in Foxborough in January because he wanted them to toughen up. The practices were so hard, the games were a breeze. Mm-hmm. We can do that with your debate prep. That's kind of what Notre Dame used to do when they would go down to Clemson. It was so loud in Clemson, they would put out speakers with big, loud music. They'd have to get used to the noise. So that when the game came, they right. were used to a loud stadium. Right. We can create that. And again, I'll work with anybody. Yeah. I am a capitalist. I believe in the market. <laughs> if you are a Democrat and you want to find out what the Republicans are thinking, hire us. Yeah. I mean, uh, Todd, look, Todd, Todd listen, listen, look, listen, you got like <laughs> you got like six million bucks in your campaign account. None of it's your money. You're on stage looking like you've got bodies hidden somewhere. Wouldn't it be worth it to give us 50 grand to just just take care of this for you? <laughs> Good job. That was a great segment. Sign up today. Thank you. And I'm dead serious, too. We will help you with your debate. Now, we're going to charge you, but you will look so much better when it's all said and done. Mm, What are you going to do with those candidates who don't debate? Oh. Diego wasn't there to take me to the fair. The lost the powers for you kids right Mm -hmm. there. You like that? Yeah. It's 1116. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So we had a voicemail earlier at 317-684-8444, and a woman said that we were too mean to the Republicans, but not the Democrats. Yes. So here we go. Just one-third of American voters would send President Biden back to the White House if the 24 election were held today. This is according to a new poll. Majority of Americans also believe their lives are worse off than they were two years ago. 33% of the voters only... 33% of the voters would re-elect Biden if they had to vote today. And more than 50% of people think that he is not trustworthy. He is not honest. Shocker! This is a staggeringly low amount of people for two reasons. One, 40% of the country is Democrat and would vote for whatever Democrat. I mean, same for the Republican, right? I mean, so you're 7% below like the core of your party, like like 7% of the core of your party doesn't even want you 
in there and would not vote to send you back. Mm -hmm. So that's number number one. I mean, he's getting you know terrible amongst independents. Anybody who's a remotely free thinker, he's not getting he's not getting those people. But it does come back to the conversation that you know anybody who questions what happened in 2020 is some semi-fascist democracy hating nazi whatever the phrase of the day is but it does beg the question how did someone get 81 million legal votes i'm asking someone to explain this to me if you are a democrat who wholeheartedly believes that joe biden got 81 million legal votes how did somebody go from getting 81 million legal votes without campaigning for the most part and hiding in his basement mm -hmm. how did in a year and a half go from 81 million legal votes to now only 33 percent of the country wants him to run again he's done all the stuff that he promised to do yeah you when he was running they should be elated i love this guy so why did all these people leave him if there were 81 million legal votes when he's done everything he told people he was going to do mm -hmm. Why have all these people left a guy they were so happy to vote for? Here's a staggering number. Just 4% of Republican voters say they'd reelect Biden. 4%. 91% preferred a different candidate, of course. Uh, Biden is also lagging with independent voters. Just 13% say they would reelect him if the election were held today. And of course, of all of the people surveyed from this poll, 89% said inflation and rising prices were the top concern something that, i mean we've been beating this drum for quite a while now of course that's your top concern because you need to pay for things in your life uh, ron desantis has been successful at getting florida people registered to vote he has increased the amount of registered voters by 300,000 people. Well, most importantly, registered Republican voters. Florida mm -hmm. has forever, while a swing state, been a Democrat-controlled state in terms of the amount of registered voters. Indiana is a non-registration state in the sense of you just show up and you say, I want a such-and-such such, uh, ballot. And so in Florida, Ron DeSantis has, for the first time in Florida's history, created more Republican, registered Republican voters than Democrat voters, and he took a little victory lap on that the other day. Well, here's what's happened. When I got elected governor in November of 2018, there were close to 300,000 more registered Democrats in the state of Florida than Republicans. And prior to me becoming governor, we had never in Florida history had more registered Republicans than registered Democrats. Well, the, the books are closed for November's election, so the registration deadline is passed. And I can report that we now have over 300,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats. He also has a big advantage because he has a massive financial advantage over Charlie Crist. $102 million available cash. All right, so let me tell you how this is going to go, Casey, because I've I have uh, decided now that you know I need to go ahead and do the prediction so that when it comes true, mm -hmm. uh, 
You look smarter. I will be very <laughs> gracious and humble in my accepting of being absolutely right. Okay. Ron DeSantis is going to boat race Charlie Crist. I think he will win by eight points or more. Mm. When he does, he will instantly become the cause du jour of the Republican Party. He will very quickly become the Republican frontrunner and will be the Republican nominee for president in 2024. This is it. This is the prediction. I'm huh? laying the marker down that DeSantis will win by eight points or more. And once he does, Trump will have literally zero case on why Ron DeSantis would not be 100% the absolute best choice to lead the party and be the face of the party. Ron DeSantis has done a phenomenal job as governor. He has taken a swing state and made it a Republican state. He is winning overwhelmingly in almost every single poll. He's going to probably exceed the polls. He has become a fundraising juggernaut, Mm -hmm. and he does it all in a way that makes people, and we are seeing this in the registration advantage, want to be a part of that party, and he is not compromised on principle. Ron DeSantis is what every single Republican should want. He's conservative. He's liberty-minded. He is a fighter. He will fight for you. And he has the ability to bring it home in the states you need to bring it home to win the presidency. Okay, there you go. It's 1125, and he made his prediction. I would love to hear who you think will be the Democratic candidate. No idea. (laughs) Don't hang out with psychopaths. (laughs) That's for a later date. Okay, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hey, do we have time really quick to talk about CNN, what's going on over there? On Friday, the uh, president, the new news cycle president, went on Twitter and announced that CNN was, they were probably going to let go of another one of their talents. He did not fit the middle ground of CNN. Well, we don't know this for sure yet. This Mm -hmm. is just being reported. It didn't come from the president of CNN. It just came from a reporter who mm-hmm. has, uh, the guy's name is John Nicosia. Uh, he's with News Cycle Media, and he was the guy who got the Stelter uh, ouster right yep. back in June. And this is another example, if indeed this is right, that Jim Acosta is going to be. Jim Acosta was, I'm doing air quotes here, reporter for CNN, who every day walked into the White House and said, how ridiculously hard Mm -hmm. can I make Donald Trump's life? He's a total radical leftist liberal. And this is another example of, and this is somewhat promising, that this new guy who runs CNN. Chris Licht is his name. Yeah, has come in and said, look, clearly no one's watching our network. The only time we had any viewers is when Trump was president and it was people who loathed Trump. They weren't watching us for anything other than just to be in a circle of hate-filled individuals. We are revamping this network to try to at least give the perception that we are middle of the road. They're not going to become Fox News, but it would be great to have a secondary, reliable place to get news from. And this this guy appears to be, based on the people who are out, the people who have been moved, if indeed Jim Acosta's next, to be moving in that direction. And that's a positive thing. So Acosta called Tucker Carlson and GOP leaders the American Taliban back in 2001. And do you? this is a situation where CNN is trying to match the tone of the country rather than to lead it? I think CNN recognizes if you don't have viewers, you don't have advertisers. And right now, CNN alienates about 80% of their potential audience based on their, or they have at least, their Mm -hmm. total obedience to radical leftism. And this guy is saying, look, we've got to get more people in here. Yeah. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's 1128. Good morning. 
So if you have legal problems mounting and the FBI is raiding your place, what do you do? Well, if you're Donald Trump, you turn it into a fundraiser. That's exactly what he did. He's raised $24 million in the third quarter, which is a 41% increase over the previous quarter. However, he did spend $22 million to do it. He spent 91 cents to every dollar he raised. This is a, a okay, this, again, it's, Everybody's individual money, so it's not government money. So I don't say this in the standpoint of, oh, my gosh, this is so outlandish and egregious. Like, whatever people do with their own money and who they choose to give it to. It's on them. It is. But it is somewhat interesting that he basically spent $22 million of the $24 million he raised asking people mm-hmm. to give him money. And mm-hmm. so I would, I would say this. It's a story from this standpoint. When you give to a charity, one of the reasons we love the Salvation Army and we do the Radiothon every year is because Salvation Army maximizes the donations that people give. When we come on this radio station every year in December or late November and say, please give to the Salvation Army, we know that the vast majority, overwhelming majority of that money is going to go into the programs to help the people because they have such a low overhead. Same thing sort of applies here in which if I'm giving money to a candidate, I want that money to go help the candidate. Now, I made a decision several years ago that I just don't give. I don't even do it locally anymore. I used to give to like local candidates, but I don't even do that anymore because since I cover these people on the radio, you know, I just. You gave it the office. Well, I just, I just, you know, <laughs> obviously I have favorites and people that I like and people I'm voting mm-hmm. for and people I support or endorse or whatever, but I've just made it a habit of writing, not just not writing checks to public office people anymore. Well, and you endorsing somebody on the air is probably worth more than a well, dollar here and there anyway. There's no value you could put on that, Casey. It's right. infinitely it's valuable. Point is, though, <laughs> if I were to give, I would want to ensure that is going to actual things that benefit the promotion of that mm-hmm. candidate. Rather than buying a new car, perhaps? Well, right. Hello, Diego. <laughs> um, but the point is, with Trump, the vast majority of that did not go to actual nuts and bolts of helping Trump or helping Trump candidates, the vast majority of that just went into promotion to give us money. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't seem like a good use of your money, but it's not public money, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Here's something that's kind of interesting, and this is coming from the Federal Election Commission. So he spent 91 cents to raise a dollar. In 2020, he spent 77 cents to raise a dollar. So inflation is even hitting the Trump campaign. Yeah, and again, it comes back to, and we, we talk about the well, last segment with Ron DeSantis, right? Like, like, it's a big, what's the compelling reason to give money to Donald Trump at this point? Hmm. Like, if you are a person who is, I would be fascinated, if you are a person who is still donating to Donald Trump or his PACs or whatever, I would be really interested to hear from you about why you're giving and does a report like this bother you? 317-684-8444 is the the voicemail line because this would really bother me if I was a person that was giving that the majority of it does not appear to be going to either helping Trump or Trump-aligned candidates. It's just mm-hmm. going to promote us asking for more money. Yeah. It's Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC, and we've said over and over again how inflation and the economy are the top concerns of people. So this would be a good opportunity to hear from Biden's economic advisor, who clearly, you assume, will have a, a firm grasp on things. Yeah, I just, I'm just curious... 
And a lot of Americans are curious when the so-called Inflation Reduction Act will really start to bring down inflation. So the, the many parts of the bill will start to take effect next year. For example, there are tax credits for energy to help people weatherize their homes uh, and also bring down other forms of energy costs. So we are focused on helping to make that transition to clean energy in a way that brings down energy costs for families. Okay. So buying $60,000 worth of windows is going to help me save money on food and gas. Got it. Yeah, what's the question here? You you got to buy something, spend a whole lot of your money on uh-huh. something yes. to save money maybe next year. Uh, do you have concerns over that? Oh, I'm just, do I understand it properly? I think that's That's right. what she just told us. Sure. Can we all just realize this together at the same time? The Inflation Reduction Act is not going to reduce inflation. It's only named that. You know, somebody I saw that I follow on social media made a good point. They made a post about the polling that is showing, you know, overwhelmingly the what people care about. And we've talked about this many times mm-hmm. in recent polls about how it's it's the economy, it's inflation mm-hmm. overwhelmingly. And this person made a good point. They said the public is telling the Democrats what they actually care about. And they're telling anybody that's paying attention what they actually care about. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats and Biden are so coddled by the media and there are such cheerleaders in the media for the democrats that when they lose this election and i posted this last night i said if the democrats had focused as much on food and gas prices as they have trump and january 6th mm-hmm. they would be cruising to re-election yeah but because they are so coddled and and taken care of and cheer cheer cheerleaded cheerled 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 is that the word i'm looking for <laughs> by the media that when they lose this fall they will immediately pivot to some sort of, well, it was Russian information. Yeah. The public was snow, this and that. When in reality, it is the public is telling you abortion is not our thing. January 6th is not our thing. Donald Trump is not our thing. Food and gas prices are our thing. And you're addressing everything but the thing that is our thing. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have an answer for it. No. That's why. And every attempt they've done has been just completely bungled, like the Inflation Reduction Act. Kendall and Casey are on 93 WIBC and the White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that President Biden does not currently intend to meet with the Saudi Crown Prince at the G20 summit next month. This coming after the Saudi-led OPEC group of oil producing nations decided to cut oil. So Biden's not going to meet with him. He tried the fist bump last time. That didn't work out too well. All right, let's play this audio, and then I want to talk about this because this is actually really important. President Biden, as you know, faced criticism for his meeting with the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. That was in July. Will President Biden meet with the Crown Prince again at the G20 summit next month? He has no plans to meet with the Crown Prince at the G20 summit. And uh, he is focused, however, on making sure that through every engagement that he has across the board, uh, he's looking out for not just the U.S., but for our allies as well. One of the things that he was able to achieve in that meeting in July was the historic opening of Saudi's airspace to Israeli commercial air traffic, the first step Saudi Arabia has ever taken on a path towards normalization with Israel, which we believe was a positive thing for him to be able to deliver for a strong partner of ours. Okay, so number one, these things were already in the works long before Biden got there with Trump. That was part of the peace accords and things that Trump did. So funny how they're trying to take credit for that. That Okay, that's let's push that out of the way. 
Saudi Arabia and Joe Biden's destruction of our relationship with Saudi Arabia is a huge deal and not enough people talk about it because are are the Saudis killers? Yes. Are the Saudis people who do not respect women the way we would like? Absolutely. Are the Saudis people who for years and years and years have had blood on their hands for doing terrible, awful things? Yes, absolutely. Are they human rights violators? Yes, all those things are true. But Saudi Arabia is by far our best option for reliable, sustained peace in the region. Because in terms of if we're going to compare Saudi Arabia to, say, Iran or Syria, Saudi Arabia is far more preferable because they value, the leaders of that country value and covet stuff, right? When you have someone who covets stuff and likes riches and likes progress because they like stuff those are people that you can work with and saudi arabia okay they killed that journalist they did you know what everybody over there for the most part other than israel for the most part not totally but certainly the power regions are bloodthirsty killers okay that is what it is saudi arabia is someone that you can work with and has a vested interest in sustained peace in the middle east because they like stuff and they like spending money and they like making money they also like fame sure no, they want to be known on the world stage. Yeah, and, and so Joe Biden, because he's totally disingenuous, and Joe Biden, well, at one point he knew this. I don't even know if he knows where he is anymore, but Joe Biden was, was that what, the head of the Foreign Relations Committee at one point, I believe. He knows exactly what's going on. He was a United States senator since the earth was young. He was the vice president. He comes in as the president. He knows the role Saudi Arabia plays in the Middle East and what a gigantic benefit it is to have a positive relationship with Saudi Arabia. And he knows he has no problem sitting down with Iran and trying to rework that nuclear agreement and giving them pallets of cash. Iran is a million times worse than Saudi Arabia. This was an example of a guy pandering to a bunch of leftist lunatics, and he was pandering at a time because he thought it would help him win votes with zero regard for the actual ramifications of destroying the relationship with Saudi Arabia. And what has it done? It's not only made life more expensive for every single American. Mm-hmm. It's made us all less safe because Saudi Arabia, whether you like it or not, is important to us and is a vital part and friendship with them is very important. Yeah, this G20 meeting is going to be a big deal. It's in Bali next month and the Chinese government saying they don't know if there's going to be a face-to-face between Xi Jinping and Biden. And now the Kremlin has come out and said they don't know if Putin's going to go. And if he does go, the only way that Putin and Biden are going to talk is to discuss the release of Brittany Griner. 81 million legal votes, Casey. Yeah, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. <laughs> May I have your attention, please? Mm-hmm. May I have your attention, please? You got it. Marshall Bruce Mathers III turned 50 years old yesterday. Many Twitter users agreeing that Eminem has blessed us with timeless bangers like Lose Yourself Without Me. Godzilla, Stan, and Real Slim Shady. Is he the greatest rapper of all time? Some would say yes. He is an Academy Award-winning rapper. He won an Academy Award for his song, Lose Yourself. Broke down lots of barriers, has had global success. And he's uh, widely known as one of the best rappers in the world and broke down barriers for white rappers in the music industry. So he turned 50 yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it got me thinking, like, Mm -hmm. okay, so 
the Marshall Mathers LP came out in the year 2000. So I would have been a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. And I always found it somewhat humorous that every suburban kid pulling out of the Brownsburg High School parking lot in the year 2000 was playing this CD of how supposedly crummy their life and existence is. And I just always used to chuckle at this because the stuff he wrote and sang about kids Mm -hmm. in suburbia, for the most part, knew absolutely nothing about. And yet he was able to get these people to gobble this album up. Mm -hmm. And I admit some of the songs were pretty catchy. And I was into some of those songs for a while because they were so catchy. But once I became an adult, I realized this guy's kind of sad. Mm. Oh, yeah. His whole life was kind of sad. But, but, but even when he achieved mm-hmm. great fame and fortune the and riches. The damage had been done. He just never, the music never like evolved. And it, there was just a big part of me that said, you're, you know, whatever that would have been, even to go back 15 years, you're in your mid 30s mm-hmm. and you're still singing about this stuff. Dude, give it a rest. <laughs> Well, I mean, he his music talks about his personal life, a lot of violence, poverty, drug use, mental instability. You're saying that the kids in Carmel can't relate to that? <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, and we talk about grown-ass men on this show quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So as a musical artist, and I'll bring Kevin in on this because Kevin's a musician. Part of being Uno, uno.gold on Instagram, by the way, please give them a follow. And uh, Monday, uh, Friday night, right? They can see you. In live in concert. Yeah, Friday night at Melody Inn. Mm-hmm. Um, as a musical artist, part of being a good musical artist is evolving as your life evolves. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Yeah. Like, m- the album Born to Run is about working on cars and chasing after chicks. That was Bruce Springsteen at 25 years old. He's not singing about that now. At 50 years old, that would be kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And so your songwriting, your evolution should be as your life evolves. So either this guy was just a total one-trick pony or his life never really evolved at all. Am I off on that? I think that's that's a fair point. And there's something sad about that. I mean, the guy's made a gajillion dollars. Clearly, he, was, he had a talent that people were willing to pay for and up until this point still are willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. But at 38, I look at the Marshall Mathers LP and go, wow, that was really sad. But yeah, when I was 16, I thought, this is the coolest thing in the world. It was awesome. He, he's got a net worth of $230 million. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most words in a rap song. And I think that there is evolution between the real Slim Shady and a song like Lose Yourself. Listen, I lived in Detroit. I used to drive down eight miles to go to work. So I've seen the areas that he grew up in, and they were not good. Uh, but Lose Yourself... I think is part of the American culture. We use it at sporting events, high school parties, your workout playlist. Everybody uses this song, Lose Yourself, as a hype song. That's true. To get their blood going. Good job finding the clean version of the song, Kevin, because there were about nine cuss words that just got skipped over there. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Good job, Kevin. And thank you for listening. And we're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.